So, what's God saying this morning? You know, this is what we do. We come together and we believe that if we give God time, he will actually speak. And he will actually say to us what is on his heart instead of me saying what's on my heart. And I think what's on his heart is probably a lot better um, in the sense that God knows what's happening in our lives right now. And um, so God is saying to us that he wants us to be a Mary instead of a Martha. Uh, how many understand what that means? Uh, they know the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was running around doing all kinds of work when Jesus showed up and was actually frustrated with Mary because Mary wasn't running around helping her prepare dinner. And Jesus said to her, said, listen, Mary's chosen the better thing here. And our Christianity can get very busy. Our services can get very busy. Full of this and full of that and full of this and that and that. Our lives can get that way. And God's saying this morning, uh, not in a way of, you know, correction, judgment, but God's always telling us what he's telling us so that we would have a better life spiritually and physically here on this earth. And he's saying, I want you to slow down and take time with me. And the way we're trying to do it in our services is what we saw today, is you slow down. There's no rush. There's no next thing to get to. The moment is what's important. And so often we have allowed our lives to be controlled by the next thing. The world calls it mindfulness. And we call it prayer where you are in the moment and taking the time to listen, whether you're on the bus, whether you're at work, whether you're driving in your car, whether you're at home, is taking the time to just stop and listen, be thankful, to allow God to speak. And Jesus is saying this morning that that's what's more important. I would go so far, the words coming to my mind, crucial, we have been talking over the last few weeks, God has been making it very clear that there's rough stuff happening in the earth and is going to increase. Um, I think we all know that. But God has been giving us some very interesting directions on what to do about that and how to walk through that. And one of the things he's saying this morning is be close to him. Just to not be rushing and not being led by every other priority in our life instead of God. And it happens so easy. It could be easy, as easy as this. When you're taking your prayer time, turn your phone off. Turn the computer off. So that there aren't any interruptions. Or go to a place where there, you know there's not going to be interruptions. This is one of the ways that we guarantee that we will be listening. I don't know how many times it's happened to, to you. I know how many times it's happened to me where my phone will go off or something and all of a sudden you're interrupted. Now I just turn everything off. <laughs> Duh. 
but it's, it's one of the ways, and we just don't do it. And I'll guarantee you, if the phone goes off, nine times out of ten, we're going to at least go over and look at who's, who is texting or, or what's happening. We are so easily distracted. The whole world is ADHD. We all are. And as soon as we get something, I always call it a shiny new thing. Shiny new thing, shiny new thing, something different will go in that direction and that will take our, uh, our attention. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes a real willful commitment for us to be still before God. It does not happen naturally. It's not like we become Christians and all of a sudden we get this great heart to worship God. This is something we have to build in ourselves. We have to build a prayer routine into us. It doesn't happen naturally. It's work. Um, and God is saying, don't be running like the rest of the world. Take the time, even when it seems inconvenient, even when you might think you're going to miss something, even take the time to just stop and contemplate God, your life, God in your life, and see if God doesn't start planting seeds into our minds and our heart. And the, the whole idea of trampling, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of noise. And I don't specifically know what God is talking about when he says trampling, but there's a lot of noise. The world is running very fast. And I never saw Jesus in the Bible running. Never saw him once running. He's always walking. Actually, there a couple of times they were kind of complaining about how slow he was. Because the fact of the matter is, Jesus is walking at the pace of his father, not at the pace of the world. He is being motivated by the priorities of his father, not the priorities of the world. And if we were to sit down, and I, I would encourage you this week to sit down and ask God, what are the unnecessary priorities in my life? And I will guarantee you God will show you something. You really don't need to be chasing this this fast. You really don't need to be pursuing this. And God will show us what is really important. And very often I've found from speaking with people in my own experience is that when you, uh, when you start looking at your priorities, what God says is a priority is very, there's very few. There's very few. Pastors are riddled with wrong priorities. They're running around trying to be everything they, they read in the last book they just read or running around trying to be everything they just saw on TV last Sunday. And instead of just sitting and saying, God, what is the priority for me and this church? And trust me, there's been a lot of that going on for here in Mosaic. But God is saying, the priorities, listen to him. That's what he's saying this morning. And obviously he's saying it because somebody here, if not all of us, need to hear that. Especially if we're young. Girl, <laughs> uh, there is so much that needs to be accomplished, so much that needs to be done. You've got to be working for your future, working for this, striving for that, the promotion, the house, the career, the whatever it is. And if ever there's a rat race, man, it's right now. 
and everyone is running left, right, and center. And in the middle of it all, and the world's got this, if you listen to a lot of the stuff that's out there right now in, in media, it's all about mindfulness. Because the psychologists and the psychiatrists know what helps us. And it is being mindful, it's basically slowing down. We know from a scriptural point of view, slowing down is good, but then also listening to God, w that's where we get the edge. There's still health in slowing down and just meditating and being still and not getting rushed all the time. But boy, when you sit down, slow down and listen to God, oh my dear, you'll get very, very strategic truths about our lives. A lot of us may have been wandering in the desert and not getting the solutions and not getting the progress we want in our life because we're not listening. We're not slowing down and we're not stopping and listening to God and saying, God, what should I do? What should I do? It, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, I, I think it was Elijah, they came to him looking for a word. And he said, send me somebody to play some music. And they played some music. And I think it was like a week before he actually got the answer. I know it was days anyway. Before he actually got the answer. What was he doing? He was waiting and he was listening. And boy, we come to, like, we come to church and we, or we're going to our prayer and, you know, okay, God, here's what we're going to do. And here's what, I'm going to pray for this person, I'm going to pray for that. Bing, da bing, da bing, da bing, da bing. And before, and you're just God's saying, yeah, okay, yeah, you just, you just stand there and I'll wait until you want to actually listen. The yeah, the grocery list. And, and, and there is something there is something, that is why when we come into this church and that music is playing at the beginning of the service, the reason we're doing that is so that we would all quiet down. We're still, I know it's a, an incredible instinct to come in and start talking. And I'm watching people do it and I know the impulse. I've had to step back a couple of times myself. But what we are doing there is we are saying we are here to listen and to hear God, and it begins at 10 after, or 20 after 10, when that music starts, and we come and we sit, and we start putting ourselves in a place to receive from God. And to take time, there is something, God has to be wooed. Uh, there's something about it. And there's not just this crass butting in and saying, hey God, but there is this willfulness to kind of just say, Father, I'm here, I'll wait, don't have to say anything specific, I'm just here in your presence. And you'll be surprised, it might take minutes, it might take a while, and all of a sudden things start to develop. And that is the wonderful romance in the spirit with God. It's so crass when we come in and we just slap down our prayer list in front of them and say, okay, let's get going here. And instead, God wants our company, he doesn't want our complaints. He wants our company. He already knows our complaints. But he just wants our company. And this is a very hard thing to get in Christian faith. It's a very hard thing. Very, I don't know a lot of people who have it. Um, that ability to just romance with God. Because it is a relationship. It's not an arrangement. It is a relationship. We, it's not like a working thing where you go into your boss and you give him what you need and he gives you what you need to do the job. That's not what this is. This is a relationship. 
And God is saying over and over again, he wants to have that relationship with us. Um, so I, I really believe that's what he's saying. And also, be patient. Um, doesn't that go right along with what God is saying? It takes patience to have that relationship and to procure that relationship with God. And it never stops. I think we can, the well of God is infinite. And the deeper we want to go, the deeper the well will be. And if you want to spend four hours a day with God, there'll be enough there for four hours. If you talk to the chair, it doesn't stay like No, it doesn't. That's the truth. It really doesn't. God will fill it very fast. If, if we're willing to just listen and wait. God's really saying something. Uh, there was a I want a piece of scripture. Um, in, two, in January of 2018, okay, January, the, the New Year's Eve service of 2018, going into 2018, God gave uh, two or three people a scripture, and we actually had a visitor come that night. We had a service that night, and they uh, said this scripture, and... I want to talk about this for a minute because I think it jives with what's happening. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Um, Isaiah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, um, incredible prophecies about the coming Messiah and also about the work of God. But Isaiah is speaking something that came alive to us that New Year's Eve. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You all know if you've been in church at all, you, you know this scripture. See, I am doing a new thing. Now, I don't know how many times I've heard people stand up and prophesy or whatever. I'm doing a new thing, and there's no more a new thing going on. Um, but it's a very, it's a very uh, attractive piece of scripture, and I've stayed away from it on purpose because so many people have used it uh, inappropriately because it sounds so prophetic. But God actually said through three people around that time, this scripture for a mosaic. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I was downstairs looking at a prophetic word that was given to me out in Winnipeg a year or so ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, by the worship team of the church that I was at. It's Southland. You know about Southland. And I was reading, and that scripture was in there. Someone had gotten that scripture for me. And I had actually missed it in the prophecy. And I looked at it, and I went, oh, my heavens. There it is again. God is saying to me, thus to you. If he's saying it to me, he's saying it to you guys, because we're all one. We're in the same uh, go here. Saying, I want to do a new thing. Now, it's January, and you'll hear a lot of people talking on this scripture just because it fits. But God's been talking about this to us for a while. Um, and I thought today I just wanted to kind of unpack it a little bit. Forget the former things. Okay, there's something. Forget the former things. And I think there's a healthy form of forgetfulness. God says, I have forgotten your sins. 
And there's stuff that you and I need to forget. Whether it be failures, whether it be losses, whether it be mistakes we made, whether it be our, you know, hoping and hoping against hope and it didn't happen and we have hurt because of that and we feel God left us, let us down or whatever it is. But God's saying, let's start new. Forget the former things. Also, there's a healthy form of forgetting how we expect God to speak and move. Many of us come with a kind of expectation on how God is going to speak and how he's going to move in our life. And we boxed him in. A lot of churches are in that predicament. They have boxed in how God is going to speak. He is only going to speak through three songs. And he's only going to speak through the pastor. And he's only going to speak in a certain way through the pastor. And he's only going to do what, and it depends on the church you're in. We box him in. Uh, Really, what we're trying to do here is break that box open. And say, God, come and do whatever you want to do. But we do box them in. So God's saying, forget how I used to talk to you. Forget how you expect me to talk to you. Let's start with something new in 2020. Even though God said this to us like two years ago. And if you've been in this church for the last year, you know God is doing a new thing in this church without me ever talking on this or propagating this. So do not dwell on the past. Okay. It's easy for me to say to all of us here, we've got things in our past that we dwell on all the time. We all have phantoms from our past that we dwell on. Whether, Whether it be the longing for the good old days of God and the move of God, or whether it be some terrible thing we did wrong that we just can't get past forgiving ourselves for. But he's saying just to not dwell on it. Because that's what we do. You know God knows us, doesn't he? He knows what we do. So he's saying, don't dwell on it. Because I know you do dwell on it. So don't dwell on it. And that, again, is an act of will. That just doesn't happen naturally either. It is something we have to, uh, when it comes, say, no, no. I am not dwelling on that. And I'm just turning away, and I'm not dwelling on it. Yeah, very much taking the thought captive, which God tells us to do. And the, the fact, again, I keep on going back to it, Christianity is not something that just automatically happens. The benefits of being a Christian, which is digging into the deeper mysteries of God and getting those treasures that God hides in darkness, that the, old, the prophet says in the Old Testament, that he will give us the treasures in darkness, that that getting those things does not happen just because we go to church on Sunday and, and we read our Bible a little bit through the week. It is a willful act. It is work. We've got eternity to rest. We've got eternity to be in that place where it's all just fully natural. I've told you before that I have had the blessed circumstance of actually experiencing that in 1994, 95. And trust me, you will not have to work at the presence of God when you get into the presence of God. It is so absolutely overwhelming that you will do nothing else but that. But for now, we're in the battle. Today is the battle. For how long we're going to live, we're going to be in a battle. And part of winning that battle is doing this, is actually not dwelling on the past, letting it go. I feel irresponsible if I don't feel bad about this. 
Get over it. It's in the past. It can't be changed. It doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's done. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And another translation of that says, are you seeing it? Now, if you've been in this church for the last year, you know that something different is happening, especially those who are in the leadership team and the things that we have uh, been experiencing in prayer and what we've been experiencing on Sunday nights in our prayer. It's, it's a seed. It's not huge. The masses are not rushing in our door. But if you have eyes to see, and you can see, and God's asking, don't you perceive it? Don't you see it, what I'm doing? That God is actually doing a new thing in your life, in my life, and in this church. I was uh, with some pastors uh, about a week ago, five pastors from around the Maritimes, and one of them, uh, John Raymer, has a very profound history in this district, and his family does also. His great-grandmother went to Azusa Street, and out of that experience, how many know what Azusa Street is? Azusa Street is a massive, incredible move of God that happened in 1906 in Los Angeles uh, to uh, a little church, a black preacher with four black women who were very poor, who prayed, and God came down and blessed that work and birthed the largest move of God in the history of the world since the upper room happened in the second uh, chapter of Acts. And had birthed the Pentecostal church, had birthed the evangelical church, had birthed it all. It's amazing what it did around the world. But in that, um, that anointing that fell on her caused four generations of her family to serve in leadership in Christianity. It's an amazing thing, really, the lineage that he has. And he said something when we were sitting there. He's retired now. He said, I'm telling you, something is stirring in Nova Scotia. Something is stirring in the spirit. And it's again going back, do you not perceive it? The people who are taking time to be with God and you know, using the patience and the will that it takes to stop and listen, they are starting to perceive it. I mean, there's people who walked by Jesus and didn't even know who he was. Yeah, whatever. I mean, they, did, they had no perception of who he was at all. But when you think of Anna, who was in the temple when Jesus was born, she instantly knew this is the Messiah. Why? What did it say she did? She fasted and prayed for like decades, 60 years. And when the real thing showed up, she knew it. And one of the reasons that we're seeing the craziness that's going on in the church right now is because people are seeing the wrong thing and thinking it is the right thing because they are not doing what God said. Spend time with me. Do that willful prayer discipline and you will know the right path and you'll know the right thing when it comes along. We've got some dangerous stuff going on in the Western church right now and it's starting to divide right down the middle. It's a very strange time. But so we have, to, we have to be doing that. But he said, something is stirring in Nova Scotia spiritually. For those long haulers who've been in the church for a while in the east here, we have heard 
prophecies for the last 40 years about a move of God happening from the east, eastern Canada, eastern United States. I was talking to Rick about this last night and moving across to the west. I never paid much attention to it, to be honest. I really didn't. Because there were so many prophecies going on back then. You just go, yeah, whatever, okay. A new thing, and it's going to move from the east to the west. And, and then John Raymer says about the wave. He said uh, he had seen this great wave that came in from the Atlantic Ocean across and hit and, and burst down in the Bedford Basin. Just saw it in his mind's eye when he was praying one day. I sit back in my chair I said, John, that's incredible. Because in 1986, when I was on air at the radio station, the booth that I was on was all glass, ceiling to roof, and you could look right down. We're 18 stories up, and you could look right down on the harbor. I could see McNabb's Island, and I could see the Bedford Basin. And I was there doing, I was on air in the radio, and all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I saw this wave come in, go right down the harbor, and smash onto the onto the shore of Bedford Basin. I never, I thought, gee, what was that? And I never thought any more of it. And then John says he saw exactly the same thing. Folks, something is going on. Something is happening. There's a new thing that God is birthing, and he's telling us today, here's how you get in it. Here's how you don't miss it, is that you take the time. Don't be busy with the world. Don't be busy with even crazy doing church stuff. Find out exactly what it is that God wants you to do. And I'll tell you, the first thing he wants you to do is be in, in relationship with him and to take the time to make sure that you have that relationship. It doesn't matter how much scripture we know. It doesn't matter how much work we do in the church. We could be on the worship team. We could be uh, on the tech team. We could be whatever. It doesn't matter. If we're not taking time to be with God, we are going to miss the one thing that is most important. And that is to recognize what he is doing and then to be a part of that. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it frustrates me to think that there is a whole group of Christians that are not getting this. And, it would, and that's not unbiblical to say. There's many, many people through the Old Testament and the New Testament who miss it. And God even says that. He says, some will come to me and say, Lord, didn't we pray in your name, prophesy in your name, do miracles in your name? But he said, I don't know you. Why did he say that? They were obviously working in the church. They were obviously anointed by God. They were obviously gifted and obviously working. But the one thing they missed is what Mary was doing. And Jesus was giving us a warning by showing Martha, saying, listen, Martha, baby, this is not it. You might have given all your money. You might work very hard for the church and do all that stuff. But do you know Jesus? Have you stopped and sat and taken the time? And I don't mean 10 minutes before bedtime. I mean, are you taking the... Try doing that to your wife or your husband. Try having a relationship with your husband or your wife where you go, okay, how are you doing? Uh, okay, good, see ya. Or just come in and say, here's what needs to be done today. Uh, we'll go get groceries, we'll pay the oil, and never have that romantic kind of, you know what, I just want to sit here and kind of look at your face. <laughs> you know? 
I just want to sit here and be with you and watch the sunset or watch the waves come in. Ah, that's what I want to do, and I want to do it with you. Now, you say that to your spouse, and you've got something going on. Yeah, that's going to go someplace. I'm telling you, that will go someplace. Um, but, and God is very romantic. You must understand, God is neither male nor female. He's both. So he can have a romantic relationship with you. We use he because that is the way that God is working through the world right now in the masculine. And there's a whole sermon on that. But nonetheless, God himself is neither male nor female individually. He is both. So he can approach you in a very feminine way. And he can need to be approached in a feminine way and vice versa. Sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? But it's actually the truth. He's quite romantic. And that's why marriage reflects what? What does the Bible say marriage reflects? It says, Jesus said, or Paul was saying, marriage reflects the relationship that Christ has with his church. So everything that you would see in a healthy marriage should be, is, is the way God wants to have a relationship with us. And part of it is romantic. However that is to you. I know people who go and sit in their car and look at the ocean with God. Beautiful. People who walk in the woods with God. People who sit in their chair at two in the morning and come to tears. Oh, that hit me. Come to tears because they are with God. There's all kinds of ways to be romantic, but trust me, God is craving your attention. And we say, well, God doesn't need anything. Well, apparently he has said it, that uh, he needs us. Let's say he wants us. Because people don't like the idea that God needs anything. So let's say he wants us. What is man that he is mindful of us, right? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you were here last week, you would see how that jives with what God said last week. That God is going to make a way where you don't think a way can happen. So we do these things. We do these things that God told us about prophetically today. About being in relationship with him and taking the time to be with him. Saying all that he's saying to us to culminate in this. I am making a way in the wilderness. Wilderness is a place that we don't know. Wilderness is wild. We don't know what's there. We don't know our way through it. We don't know what's coming, and we don't know what's in there. But God is saying, don't you worry about the future, the wilderness of the future. I'm making a way through there. I've never called you to make a way through there. I'm making a way through there. How will we know the way through there? Because we will be listening to God, and he will show us the way through there. But this is a promise. This is the part that really sparks me today is that God is saying to us prophetically today that he is making a way in the wilderness in the future of your life. He is making a way. You could look at the wilderness and say, I don't know how you all going to get through that. I don't know how anything is going to get through that. I see unsurmountable or insurmountable obstacles, forests, mountains, rivers, rocks, cliffs. I see it all. God's saying, I, and that's what a wilderness looks like. And God's saying, I'll make a way through that. You just watch me. I'll make a way through that. 
because he wants you to go forward. He has a plan that you and I go forward. God never intended us to just get saved, sit in a lump, and, uh, and look at the woman at the well. She had kind of given up, really. Fifth husband, oh, sir. Like, she had kind of given up. God said, no, I have something for you. Just sitting at a well, pulling up water, doing the do. God said, oh, no, no. He visited her and said, let's put away all those five husbands, and let's go forward. And I'm sure that's what she did. And streams in the wasteland. We can look at situations in our life that truly are a wasteland. We all have them. Some don't. I do know some people who have lives that I can't even fathom. It's just, boy, it's blessing upon blessing. Okay, thankfully somebody is living that. But for most, we have some wastelands. In our relationships, some in our marriages, some in our past, some in the way that we think and the way that we have acted and the way that we behave. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I will bring streams in the wasteland. And what he's saying there is he is going to bring the water, which brings the life in what you thought was dead. What you and I think is dead, God is saying, I'd wait on that. Because I can put streams through the wilderness and then in through that wasteland, and all of a sudden it comes back to life. And there's people in this room, me included, who need to believe that God can bring some things back to life. And just because they died doesn't mean that they stay dead because God is the God of the resurrection. And it doesn't matter if something in our life died, maybe the hope of our future with God, maybe the hope of being used by God, maybe the hope of having a relationship, maybe the hope of... of uh, you put it anything in there that you have. God is saying, I'm the one who can bring that back to life. God can actually take something that never even existed and there's nothing there to make it from and can make it. That's what he did with the universe. There was not a bunch of stars floating around. He just went, well, let's organize this a bit. It didn't exist. He brought out of nothing something. And we may look in our life and see there's a whole bunch of nothing. At times, it can really seem like that. And sometimes we've done it to ourselves. But God's saying, don't you worry. I can make a path in the wilderness and I can put streams in the, in the wasteland. What you may even have caused the wasteland. And I can, I can agree with that in my life at times. But God's saying, don't you worry. I can put a stream in there and bring that back to life. And I'm saying, amen, Father. I'm going to trust you this morning. I believe what you, everything God has said this morning lines up perfectly with the fact that he has not given up on you. We said it Christmas Eve here, and it's the truth. It's a great time for expectation now. It really is. Father, we thank you for what you're saying to us this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have visited us and given us your word and your truth. I pray that you give us the spirit to take it in, to apply it to our life. And Father, this morning... For anyone here who needs streams in a wasteland, that needs a path through a wilderness, who need a new beginning, a new thing, Father, for those that you are speaking to this morning, I just invite you right now, if God is speaking to you, to just stand. We do this all the time as a testament of agreement 
and a testament of receiving what God is saying. If God has spoken to your heart and has witnessed to you in what he has said to us this morning, it's important that we stand because the heavenly principalities, the angels, watch this stuff. And things respond when we respond. So, Father, we stand and we believe this morning it will change. Things will change. Things will change. God speaking to someone this morning, things will change. That which you thought could not change is in the process of changing. And Father, I also see a picture of gifts on their way, answered prayers on their way. And I, I just feel to say that if you are waiting for an answer from God or something, I just see that God is saying it's on its way. Stay where you are and wait for it. Father, we just receive what you are doing in our lives this morning because you have covenanted, you have committed yourself to us like a wife or a husband. And Father, we trust you as a good God, a trustworthy God, a faithful God. Even when we are unfaithful, you say you will be faithful because you cannot deny yourself. And Father, we are in you. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. We are one, Father. We are all one with you. So we receive that today. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ, I pronounce blessing over us here today for the receiving of that which you have destined to be in our life. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. For greater is he that is in us than anything that comes against us in this world. Give us patience to trust it and cause us to draw close to you in it, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and one final thing. I saw a picture this morning of waves during worship. Sometimes we can think we missed the wave. But God is saying there's another wave coming. You have not missed anything forever. I don't know what that means totally, but I do know it's prophetically speaking to somebody that I just saw these waves and you think, oh darn, I missed the wave. Whatever that wave, and what does a wave do? It lifts you up, right? And then the valley in between. Don't worry, the next wave's coming. It is coming. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying these things just to be positive and and did, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. We seek very, very diligently to hear the voice of God for you as you come on Sunday. I, I don't do anything just because it makes a nice sermon. It's truly because it's what I feel and sense in my spirit prophetically that that is what God is saying. So I tell you, it's a good time. It's a good time right now. Tough time. The world is falling apart all around us. But it is a good time. It is time. Maybe the trampling is more the armies of the Lord. Who knows? Let's take up an offering. We have Interact at the back. Um, and you know how it works. You just come up the front. If you want to do it through Interact.